Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. A shout of praise this morning. Boy, I tell you what, I felt the victory in this place today. That was some worship right there, amen? There's, uh, there's sometimes where the, the, the worship is so good, you feel like, man, do I even need to preach? But you do got to preach because the worship sets the stage for the word. <clears throat> and I feel like in this day and age, we need more preaching than anything. But I definitely, you know, it's, it's encouraging when you come out and, and I see our church. Our church is so multiracial for one thing, amen? Multi-generational. <clears throat> but man, there's a hunger in here today. <clears throat> I just see you guys going in and I'm like, oh, it's about to go down today. <laughs> so I've got a word for you guys today. <clears throat> And so I want to just invite you to uh, just settle in for about the next 30 minutes and go with me. Help me preach this thing. I believe God wants to say something to us. Um, But happy 4th of July. And thanks to all of our team, all of our volunteers who are out in the uh, the nice uh, cool weather outside. Working hard, but we're, we got a great, uh, great event for after the service today. And uh, I always like to appreciate the volunteers because it takes so much work. So thank you to all of the volunteers. And, but honestly, you know, the most important thing is, is coming here and, and hearing what the Lord has to say. We have one day a week, really, where we get to come together and uh, worship the Lord corporately. And, and man, I just felt so much unity in here today. And sometimes you come into an atmosphere or the house of the Lord and you're like, man, I'm believing that God's gonna do something. I believe today it's already done. I believe we walked into this room today and, and, and I prayed with the team before and I said, you know, there's probably a lot of people who came into this place with needs today. And, and, and we prayed that, not, not one person would leave this auditorium here today not fully confident that no matter what they're going through, God has already met that need. We're in his hands. <clears throat> he cares about us from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. He's got us covered. <clears throat> Shanti really uh, uh, blessed me in the worship there and singing that song. And I believe that that worship set was a prophetic set that this is a house of miracles. So I just want to encourage you and set the stage today that, and really what I want to do today is I want to brag about who God is. I think sometimes we forget and we just think, oh, I'm a Christian. But sometimes we forget being a Christian, you have the most powerful source in the universe backing up your every move. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If your children are away from God or your marriage is facing an attack, listen, you can trust in the Holy Spirit to bring you through any situation and I can tell you that from experience. So I want, to share this, I want to share this message with you today that I've entitled, actually God entitled, Hope is a Fire. 
Hope is a fire. When you've got hope inside of you, when you've got Jesus inside of you, it's like a fire inside of you. And I feel that fire of the Holy Spirit in this place today. And I want to just let it burn. (laughs) I want to just let it burn. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just rebuke any spirit of doubt right now. I rebuke every strategy of the enemy that would try to hinder anything, God, that you're trying to do through your people. Father, I thank you, Lord, that everything you want to do in us and through us is already done. And we just enter into it in faith right now in Jesus' mighty name. God, I ask that you would anoint this word. Father, speak through me, Lord. I'm a willing vessel. This is not my my will, Lord. This is not my will word, but it's yours, Father, and I ask that you would prepare the hearts to receive it in Jesus' mighty name, and if you believe that everything God wants to do in your life is already done, enter into it right now with praise and thanksgiving. Just show the Lord that you, whoa, you got some faith. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Settle down. (laughs) Just kidding. So this message, Hope is a Fire, You've probably heard me say that I almost have given this message at the church a couple of times now, and, uh, and God just said it wasn't the right timing. God gave me this message really, I think it was a year ago. I think it was actually last July, and I thought I was going to preach it right after he gave it to me, and then uh, I would sit down to put a message together, and God would take me in another direction. So <clears throat> I, I know that we can always trust in the timing of God. And I believe that today, man, like James said to me on the way out here, that like God never forgets his promises. He never forgets his promises. So you might be in this place today and you might be, you know, in in some kind of a trial, some kind of a situation, and you're waiting for God to come through. And I want you to be assured. And that's why I want to brag on God and just remind us of who the King of Kings is and just build inside of us that confidence, rebuild and encourage us that it doesn't matter what he's promised us. He's faithful to his promise. There's no force in heaven or below, but below earth that can stop his promises from coming to pass in your life. Whatever he told you about who you're going to be, whatever he told you about what your calling is, whatever he told you about who your children would be or what your marriage would be like or what your business would be like or what your finances would be like or what your health would be like. Somebody help me preach this. He is faithful to his promises. So God gave me this message about about a year ago called Hope is a Fire. And it was actually while I was in uh, Colorado And there's something just inspiring about being in the mountains and being in God's beauty, amen? When you get out in God's beauty and you go, wow, look how big he is. Look how great he is. He holds us all in the palm of his hand. And uh, at that time, one of my family members was going through a trial. Now, as you know, my family is no stranger to trials. (laughs) Uh, Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, uh, you know, I think everybody thinks about that scripture, and this is just a little teaching caveat, but everybody thinks what that means is that bad times happen to good times and and bad people. And it does does mean that, but it also means rain actually brings harvest. So sometimes you wonder, why does the, you know, people who are not good people out in the world have blessing? Rain falls on the just and the unjust. But when we commit our ways to the Lord, there's a different kind of blessing that we receive when we stand before heaven. Just a little caveat there. 
But uh, yeah, my family's been through trials. My son went through uh, cancer. My mom went through cancer at the same time. Uh, we faced trials. Um, we were in Colorado, and one of my family members was going through a trial, uh, a challenging time. And uh, I thought, man, how blessed we are to have a foundation of the word of God inside of our lives that we can stand on. You know, I mean, just think about it. Like there's people out there, like my dad, for example, when my dad got saved, he had absolutely no idea who Jesus even was. To this day in 2022, there's people who have never stepped foot into a church before. There's people who have no idea who Jesus is. You know, you wonder how some people can have such crazy ideas about things in the world, like the way that they vote, things that they support, because they have no idea who Jesus is. Imagine being that person when you face a life-threatening trial. What do you turn to? That's why people turn to crazy stuff. But we have a completely different thing that we turn to when we face a trial. And that's why I felt like when I was thinking about my family member going through this trial, man, hope, it's like a fire that burns inside of us that no matter how dark it gets out there, no matter how dark our situation or our trial feels like, we have a light inside of us, a hope inside of us in Jesus that will lead us out of that darkness. Can I have a loud amen? And the subtitle of that is that hope is a fire that burns brightest in the darkness. That's when you can see the light the most is in the darkest situation. Can I have a loud amen? Amen. So let me read to you out of the the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33. If you've got that open, say amen. Okay. It says, these things I have spoken to you, Now, this is Jesus saying this, and he's saying this to his disciples, and he's saying this to his disciples at a time when the disciples have legitimate reasons to be fearful for their life. So just put yourself in that context for a second. Maybe you're in a situation where you're fearful for your future. You know, put yourself in this context. These things I've spoken to you, and just take this like Jesus saying this to you. That in me, if you're in me, you can have peace. In the world, you will face trials, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So Jesus right here is telling us that we will face trials. He told the disciples, listen, you're going to face trials, but if you put your trust and your hope in me, Even in the midst of the trial, I want you to still rejoice. I want you to still have faith and be happy because through me, you will overcome the world. Not on your own strength, but because through his strength, he overcame the world. Isn't that amazing? So here's the thing about trials. It's interesting because... You know, I had, to, I had to come to terms with this with when Lion got sick. I was like, how does this make any sense? You know, I believe that there's a certain level of protection that we should have when we commit our lives to serving the Lord. And there absolutely is. But trials do come. But there's different types of trials, isn't there? There's trials that you know are just blatantly trials that are attacks from the enemy. But even in those trials, we know if we stand on the word of God... God will bring us out of that darkness. We've got that fire burning inside of us that'll lead us out of that darkness back into the light. There's trials that are directly from the enemy. 
And then there's, there's trials that God will allow us to go through. It's one of the things I love about the scriptures is reading these trials that so many of the heroes of our faith have been through. And you realize that had they not gone through that, they wouldn't have the platform to speak from. You know, I, I speak from a platform, you know, now about healing that I wouldn't have been able to had we not gone through our situation with Lion. And so there's trials that God will allow you to go through. And you just, you just have to remember that he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. The key is you just never give up no matter what trial you're facing. Because whether it's a, an attack from the enemy, you know that God's bigger than the attack. And if it's a trial that God allowed you to go through, well, then you go, man, God must believe something big is inside of me. He's trying to bring it out of me. Amen. Mm-hmm. But there's also trials that we go through that are just a part of life. You know, sometimes we want to blame everything on God or, or blame everything on the devil, but sometimes there's just traffic. <laughs> sometimes there's just bad drivers, you know? And sometimes there's trials that kind of we introduce into ourselves because maybe God has given us a dream to build a business and building a business isn't necessarily easy. You know, there's trials involved with going after your dreams. I look at James and I look at Derek and I look at so many of us who have started businesses. And, and if we looked at every trial as an attack from the enemy, we'd be missing it. But really what we need to understand is that life is an adventure. It's amazing to wake up and get to kind of go after our dreams every day. But what's amazing about it is that when we're going for something, that may have some trials involved in getting to the destination where we see ourselves at, where God has shown, ourselves at, shown us that we're going to get to, is that even through all of that, God is with us. So no matter what kind of trial, if it's an attack from the enemy or something that God set up, or it's just something that stands in the way of you and your dream that's just a natural part of life, life's an adventure, <clears throat> and God is with you through every single one of those trials. So as you're sitting there today, you might be, kind of starting to recall some of the things that maybe kind of stand in the way of, of where you are now and where you kind of see God taking you. And I want to just brag on God and just remind you of who's in your corner today, that no matter what trial you're facing, God's going to bring you through because you've got the hope of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So it's kind of talking about how life is an adventure. And I think I was kind of inspired by that when I was out in Colorado and just kind of doing some, some outdoor stuff. And I thought about how I grew up camping and hunting and uh, I think, you know, my dad was taking me hunting when I was probably about four or five years old is when I started hunting, you know, way too late in life. It wasn't early enough. <laughs> and uh, he would take me hunting. This is when we were living in Australia. He'd take me hunting with him for like rabbits and foxes. And uh, I, can, I, can, I can remember those times. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to hunt for bigger things like deer, I think I got my first deer when I was like uh, 13 years old. And, and then later on after that, I, I went on some caribou hunts in Alaska. And you're just out in a tent, in the, literally in the middle of nowhere. I remember we went to uh, hunt in Alaska one time with Brandon. We have so many funny stories about that. Brandon waking up with his sleeping strips like stuck to the side of his face. You know, you know how people use like sleeping strips? It's total random. I wasn't planning on saying this, but Brandon would sleep with these sleeping strips and he woke up, he woke up in the, the next morning and it was like stuck to the side of his face. And my dad laughed at that for five years. So that's a little inside story that I just thought I'd share with you for your own enjoyment. 
<laughs> and at Brandon's expense. <laughs> oh man, but you have, you know, you have these adventures. And I remember one time we went out to uh, hunt caribou in Alaska and um, it took seven planes to get to where we were. We were in the Arctic Circle. And you get way out there, and they drop you off in a, in a little three-person plane, and the pilot's 180 years old, and, uh, and the plane is older. And you're just like, I hope I make it home. And, uh, and it's an adventure. And, uh, and then, you know, a while after that, I ended up going on some bear hunts, and we, we eat all this meat. We don't eat the bear because we eat kosher. But... Um, I remember I went on black bear hunt and then I went on a grizzly bear hunt and uh, my mom was not happy about the grizzly bear hunt. <laughs> my dad wanted to take us on hunts for like that for a long time. And I remember my mom was like, you better not let him get eaten. <laughs> and I was like, I agree with that. <laughs> the thing about these hunts is it's funny because you, you start off with these little hunts and, and they're not really dangerous and they're not a big adventure. They don't take a lot of faith or preparation from rabbits, but you get to, to the bears. But I'll tell you, there's a different re- reward uh, in, in getting a bear than there is in getting a rabbit. And, uh, you know, forgive me for the hunting analogy, but it's, it's true. And it's the same thing in life. Like the greater the trial that we go through, the stronger we, we come out on the other side. You know, and, and when you're, and this is how I like to preach. I like to preach about real world things. And, and uh, you know, some people might not be into hunting, but unless you're um, a vegan, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so the greatest, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. And it's the same thing in life. Um, if, if it's a trial that you're going through that's from the enemy or something that God's setting you up to, to, to bring something out of you, or if it's just you setting your eyes on a goal, the greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity for you to come out that much stronger on the other side and then bring people along with you and speak from a platform that you haven't been to before. So that's why Paul said, account it all joy when you go through trials. You know what I'm saying? And that doesn't mean that if something's coming against us, like we welcome it. But if it, you know, this is a complex thing, but we have to understand that anything that happens in this world is allowed by God. So even if it's an an attack from the enemy, God is involved with the allowing of it. Now, that doesn't mean that he caused it. And I had to kind of come to terms with that when we came through the situation with Lion. And you've heard me say this, but um, where I landed was that God did not do this to us, but he'll use it to do something through us. Amen. So life is an adventure. And uh, when, you, when you take on greater risks for greater rewards, there are greater risks. And uh, sometimes you might get lost <laughs> along the way a little bit. And, um, and uh, again, but we've got this hope, this fire inside of us when we feel lost. I don't know if you've ever been lost before, but I've told this story a couple of times, but I've been lost a few times in my life, like legitimately lost. Anybody ever actually been like straight up lost before? <laughs> it's a scary feeling. Lost is, lost is scary. And uh, <clears throat> I heard my wife just laugh right there on the front row because I got us lost in Hawaii one time. But I found our way out. But that's not the story I want to tell today. I want to st- share this story a little bit about my dad and I. And you may have heard this story. I shared this story a few years ago, but... Um, uh, when I was, I know I was probably about five years old because we still lived in Australia. And uh, I don't think Katie was born yet. 
So it was me and Anna and my mom and dad. And uh, like I said, we grew up, you know, hunting and camping and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we went camping and we're in the outback of Australia. And the outback of Australia is a little different than the outback of America because it's vast. It's like massive. And there's a lot more like dangerous, like snakes and spiders and stuff like that out there. Um, anyway, so we're, we're camping and uh, just regular stuff. And my dad wants to take me fishing. So I think he like puts me on his shoulders. We hike out, you know, I don't know, into the wilderness and, and find this river. And, uh, and my dad is fishing and we brought our dog with us, uh, a German shepherd named Bo. I think this was like maybe Bo one. In my family, you name all your dogs the same name for the rest of, you know. So we've had like six Bo's. I don't know if anybody else ever does that. Helps with memory. Um, So this is like Bo one. And it's so amazing the things that you can remember from when you're young. So I remember like being on this riverbank and uh, my dad fishing. And I can remember like, I, I remember my dad being about as far away as James is fishing. And, and I'm over here and I remember our dog, this German shepherd, um, kind of being over on this side of the stage and the dog starting to kind of like go into the woods and, and me starting to not really see him. And I, I was just kind of playing and hanging out with the dog. And I thought, um, uh Oh, the dog's getting away. And I, I don't know if I thought like, I'm going to lose the dog and be in trouble or something like that. Um, or if I thought I just didn't want the dog to get lost. So I went after the dog and, uh, you know, (laughs) in that day and age, and maybe some parents are still like this today, but my parents weren't super protective. (laughs) So, huh? Yeah. Free range. Anna said, (laughs) so next thing I know, um, I don't know where I am. And I'm about five years old. When we'd set out to uh, when we'd set out to go fishing that morning, and we left Anna and my mom back at this camp. Um, one of the things that I literally remember is that there was these big giant um, like mining shafts all over this wilderness that we were in, and I don't remember how deep they were, but I remember they were huge. And I remember that you just couldn't see the bottom. And I remember my dad being like, whoa, let's avoid those. But again, free range. So go play with the dog too. (laughs) So I'm off in the woods looking for the dog. Next thing I know, I don't know where the dog is. Couldn't keep up with the dog. And I don't know where my dad is. And I start yelling out for my dad. And I'm too far away for my dad to hear me. And he's too far away. We couldn't hear each other. So next thing I know, like hours go by. My dad says it was like three or four hours. I don't know. I think he's speaking in faith, but (laughs) it was hours and it starts to get dark. So I'm, you know, in the wilderness, there's a fast moving river. There's these mining shafts. Here's what's crazy. And this is how God will protect you. If you ever like wonder, like, you know, like if he's looking out for you. That morning when we set out, um, randomly, and this is, this is, this is, this is going to speak to you. My dad says to me, if you ever get lost in the woods, find a river and follow the river downstream and it'll always lead to people. I was four or five years old. 
I'm out in the middle of the woods and I remember him saying this. So first of all, the fact that he even said it. Secondly, that I would even remember it. I remember this, it's starting to get dark and I'm like, I gotta find the river. So I just, I just made my way back to this river. And by this time, it had been probably like three or four hours. And I, I remember, and I can remember this. I got like into my feet in the river because I'm like, I don't want to lose this river. <laughs> That's how literal we need to be about following God. Like feet should be wet. Feet should be wet. I'm not going to lose this path. I'm going to follow this river. And, uh, and the side note that I want to say about that is that if your kids are off track, man, like when you say little things to them, it'll come back to them when they're lost. That'll preach. So it's a lot like the Holy Spirit. That river is a lot like the Holy Spirit. You got to get back to where the Holy Spirit is and the Holy Spirit will lead you to safety. Now, speaking of adventures, some of you have been judging me because you saw this lighter in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, Jen this morning, she goes, why do you have a lighter in your pocket? I'm like, it's for the sermon. So uh, one of the things that my dad always taught me about being in the woods, and, and parents should always be teaching their kids something, you know, just always just, you know, eventually there probably might be like, dad, I know, but that stuff comes back to them. So one of the things my dad always taught me about being in the woods, because um, my dad and I are pretty good about, about being in the woods, but um, one of the things he always taught me is that when you go into the woods, like when we go on these camping trips or, or hunting trips or whatever it is, um, always have a lighter and, and always have it on your body. So you always want to have like lighters in your pockets and stuff like that. And uh, of course, what, why do we need lighters? Start fire, right? Now, we're always taught that the, the three kind of most important things in, in surviving, you know, the wilderness. And you see the analogies I'm drawing between life and wilderness and, and, and the Holy Spirit and the fire and stuff like that. But we're always taught about food, water, and shelter, right? But, but the truth is, is that you can survive quite a while without food. You can actually survive quite a while without shelter too. And you can survive a good amount of time without water. But what will take you out quicker than anything, if you don't know this about the, the, the woods, is kind of a perfect storm. And it would look something like this. If you are out and you don't have this on your person and it's maybe in your backpack and, and you take your backpack off and you lose your backpack, Okay, and now you don't have a way to start fire. Or let's just say you're crossing a river. Okay, you get into the other side of the river. And maybe, maybe, maybe you'd been lost. Okay, my dad got lost in Alaska one time, legit lost. And it was dark and he had to cross a river. This is a prime example of this. This is where the lighter is way more important than food, water, or shelter. You get lost, you cross a river, or maybe you fall into a river or something like that. You're wet, and then the temperature drops down in the nighttime to below freezing. Hypothermia can kill you in a matter of hours. So, so it's the same kind of thing with certain attacks from the enemy. We think like, oh, I need food, I need water, I need shelter. But more than anything, you need a fire inside of you that is a hope 
that comes from the Holy Spirit. That when the perfect storm comes, oh, I wasn't expecting to get lost. Oh, I wasn't expecting to get separated from my backpack where my fire was. This is the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, just like this lighter, you go into the wilderness, you go into the woods, you're facing a trial, you keep the Holy Spirit on your person. On your person. You're in the river and you got the Holy Spirit on your person. Because in the wilderness, you might set your backpack down to do something. And next thing you know, it's like, where is my backpack with my fire inside of it? Or you're crossing a river that you didn't have to, that you didn't expect to have to cross. And then the temperatures drop. And what I mean by that is that you get hit with a trial that you weren't expecting and hypothermia kicks in, just a crazy attack from the enemy. You've got to have hope inside of you that is a fire that burns brightest in the darkness that will lead you out of that wilderness. As I'm saying this, I, I remember there's this guy that I, that I'd like to, uh, uh, study, watch his videos on. I haven't seen his videos in a while, but he was on, um, he was on, and, and I didn't realize this about him, but he's an incredible survivalist. And I mean, he, he can just make you know, a shelter out of, you know, anything and, and just teach you how to survive in the woods. I like that kind of stuff. And, uh, I realized after watching his videos for a while, this a few years ago, that he was a guy who was on, um, a survival show that was on discovery. Um, I can't remember what it was, but huh? Not naked and afraid. Thank you for saying that. Um, I knew somebody was going to say it. everybody was thinking it. Nobody wanted to say it. Ha! Huh? Um, no, it was the one where you had to survive. Like, um, it was like, there's multiple people. They drop you off. What was it? What was it? Alone. There it is. And, uh, this guy, so I'm watching this guy on, on YouTube and, and, and then he talks about, and this is how I lost alone. So this guy is a stud survivalist. Day one. He didn't have his fire steel. You know what a fire steel is? It's a natural, it's a natural way of starting a fire with this little metal rod. You do sparks off of it. He, he set down his fire steel day one. This guy's a stud, like expert survivalist. Set down his fire steel. I don't know if you've ever been like on the banks of like Alaska or, or something like that where it's rocks and stuff like that and stuff just disappears like this. He, he's there. He's in the place where he set it down and he can't find it. He had to tap out because he had no way that night to start a fire. That's what I mean. Like the Holy Spirit, you keep it on your person. It's not in your backpack. And so that guy developed a product where it's really not a product, but he had a platform to speak from like we talked about. And now he sells fire steels that have a rope that you attach to your wrist or your bag. Because when you go through that, you learn, oh my goodness, there's times where you learn, man, I need the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to learn that lesson when it's too late. You don't want to learn that lesson when it's too late. So I was thinking about this. The lighter. You've got really three components that make up a lighter. You've got the fuel. And the fuel is like the word of God. Amen? You've got a spark. And a spark is like the Holy Spirit. A lot of people know the word of God, but they have no Holy Spirit illuminating and setting that word on fire inside of them. They just see it as like, oh, commandments to do this, to do that. But when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, it brings light to that thing. It brings light to that thing. Like today, like, 
you know, how many churches and, and God bless these churches, but how many churches had some dry, dead worship today? Good thing about dryness. You can light that sucker on fire with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but today, man, the worship was just blazing. <laughs> it was blazing. And that's because of a combination of the Holy Spirit, the spark, and the, the, the word of God that we have inside of our hearts. We know I'm going to raise my hands up and give him praise. And that combination of things will light a fire. But the third component of this thing is it has to have a vessel You have to have a vessel to hold that fuel. We're the vessel that holds the word of God. We're the vessel that holds the spark. And when you combine those three things together, you've got hope that's a fire that burns brightest in the darkness. Come on, somebody. Amen. So I'm not going to take a long time on this part right here, but I want to give you five reasons why fire is so important in the wilderness, because this is the kind of first analogy that I thought of when I was out there in Colorado and I was doing some camping and stuff like that. And, uh, and this is the part where I just kind of want to brag on God. And this is stuff that you guys probably know, but sometimes it's good to have a little bit of a reminder because sometimes when we're, when we're in the midst of a trial, we can forget how powerful the person is that is behind us and backing us. Like I said, whether it's a trial that that is just straight from the devil and you know it, or it's a trial that God's given us because he wants us to to go to that next level and maybe set up our our children's children's children with a family business, uh, or it's just a trial that just comes along in life. All of those things can be difficult, but when they're right here, sometimes we need to step back and be like, man, remember how big my God is. Remember how big my God is. So five reasons why it's so important to have a lighter or have the fire in the physical wilderness, like we're talking about, and that's the analogy that I'm going to create, but I'm going to draw that analogy between the physical wilderness and the spiritual wilderness. You, you keep this lighter on you because number one, it allows you to start a fire or a torch that will shine light on the way out of the darkness. Can I have a loud amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit inside of us is just like that. It's that fire inside of us that when we're in that wilderness, it lights a path and leads us and guides us and directs us and say, don't go this way. Don't listen to this person. Don't read this thing. Don't accept this report. You're not a statistic. The economy doesn't determine your business. Science, doctors, none of them determine whether you live, what diagnosis, okay? The Holy Spirit is like a torch, man. And I don't know if you've ever been in darkness, like either physical or spiritual, but you need a light. You need a light. You need the Holy Spirit. Hope. Jesus is a fire that burns brightest in the darkness. Number two, why you keep this thing on you when you're in the wilderness. You can create a fire to keep you warm. Now, I'm not talking about just being cozy and chilling around the fire. I'm talking about that situation that I described earlier where something happens where it's just the perfect combination of either natural elements like falling in a river or something happens to you like when we got attacked with our son getting sick and it's like, oh, I need fire right now to stay warm through this thing because hypothermia is trying to set in. But the fire inside of me, that Holy Spirit is keeping me warm through the coldest of the elements. Can I have a loud, loud amen? I uh, took the boys camping with their dad, Brandon, when we were in Colorado. And this is just a cool little analogy here. But I was showing them how to start a fire, um, showing the boys. 
And uh, so, you know, when you're starting to fire, you kind of, you know, kind of get, a, you got to get organized and uh, kind of create this kind of kindling, you know, and uh, stages of this kindling. And then I showed them, you know, how to light it with, with a ma- matches or a lighter or, or a ferro rod or anything like that. And what happened was, was that the twigs, they started to burn a little bit, but they weren't burning bright or hot enough. Ooh, this is preaching. To catch. And I said, what do you do? And they didn't know what to do. And I said, let, let old uncle show you a trick. And I took this little, this, uh, little foam mat that you sit on when you, when you can, so you don't have to sit on like wet ground. And I started to go like this. And fan that flame. And then that fire just went boom. A lot of people don't realize Fanning the flame is a real thing. When you're trying to start a fire, you got to fan that flame. It's the same thing when we're going through a trial. You might have a little bit of Holy Spirit inside of you. I know the word. I feel like I have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you got to fan the flame. What does that look like? Start speaking scripture. Start worshiping in the darkness. You know, I was thinking about this when, when, when the team was out here and I thought, man, you know what? There's something to that scripture that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. There's a holy violence that you start to fan that flame and you start to go into spiritual battle. You start to go into spiritual warfare. When you feel an attack coming on, a trial coming on from the enemy and you go, I know the word, but the flame's small. And what, you, when, what you're trying to fight is, is you're, trying to, you're trying to get the flame to, to grow before the elements take it out. It's raining. Okay, I got a little flame. I got a little flame, but it's raining. Start to fan that thing. You fan that thing by showing up to church whether you're tired or not. You know, I'm gonna tell you, in this day and age, you fan that flame by turning that TV off. That junk, stupid TV, man. Those stupid shows. You know, I'm telling you, you turn that stuff off, you turn your mind on. It's not get legalistic in here, though. Number three, you keep this thing on you because this is how you can cook food. And this is how you purify water. So many people don't know about the, the outdoors is that you drink some river water. Oh, man, you could be toast because you could get Jardia. And, uh, and Jardia will, take, will absolutely take you out. The fire purifies the water. The fire purifies any negative report that you get from the doctor. It purifies it. And when, when you're getting bombarded with this news and, and this, this is going on in the world and this just happened to my finances and my, parents, my kids' parent, uh, teachers just told me this and, and all the things, you go, you know what? This thing right here, this will cook the food that I'm gonna live on. I'm gonna live on his word right now. And I'm going to drink his water right now. It's purified water that filters out all of the impurities of the water that the world likes to offer us. Amen. Number four, fire can be a weapon. We just talked about it. The the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I don't know if you remember that. uh, I think it was maybe that... uh, Alex Baldwin movie where, where they are fighting that grizzly bear. Anybody remember that name of that movie? 
That's such a good movie. What was it? Yeah, it was something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that was, yeah, the, the Revenant was the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio one. Maybe it was that one. But there's a movie where they're fighting this bear. And they, The Edge. Was that Beeps? Youngest person in the room. <laughs> Oldest movie, youngest person in the room. And uh, they, they got lost in the woods. They didn't have any weapons on them. So they had to, you know, use torches to fight this thing. I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes when the enemy attacks, it's time to burn him down. Burn him down, man. There's instances in the Bible where, the God, where God says, burn them all. Burn them all. And there's times when the enemy attacks and you say, okay, then this is war. And I'm going to use this Holy Spirit and fire to burn your whole camp down. You mess with the wrong person. We're burning them down, dude. And I'm telling you, in this day and age, there's some things. There's some enemies that are trying to attack our kids, trying to attack our country. We need to burn them down. And you can quote me on that. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual. Here's the fifth thing about this. And this is where... This is, this is so awesome, is that fire, the fifth reason why you always keep this on you, you might, you might get wore out in the middle of a trial. And you can always use that fire just to signal for help. Sometimes you don't have the, the energy to, to light a torch, to start a fire, to cook food, to purify water, to even fight. And you can just burn that fire and just be like, somebody find me. Somebody find me. And the thing about the Holy Spirit, he's always going to be looking. He's always going to be looking. When you have that Holy Spirit and fire inside of you, he'll intercede on your behalf. He knows when you're wore out. He knows when you've done all to stand and are just now just standing. Sometimes standing doesn't look like you're being very active. Sometimes that's because I don't know. I don't got the energy to do anything left. I just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to stand. But the Holy Spirit is burning inside of me, signaling to the Father, help. And he's interceding on our behalf. Woo. Woo. No matter what we're facing, guys, when we have hope inside of us, we have a hope. And it burns brightest in the darkness. I'm going to close with this as the team comes up. So many of you know that, uh, you know, our son Lion had gotten sick. And uh, when he was seven months old, went through two years of, of treatment. And uh, this, is a, this is a really cool story. Um, while he, when, when we went into the hospital initially, um, we spent over six months living full-time, Jen, Lion, and I, in a hospital room with Lion. He did two years of treatment. The first stay when we got uh, his diagnosis, the first day was almost two months. So out of nowhere, boom, you're in the hospital and there was no end to when we were going to be able to leave. Luckily we were able to leave 50 days later, but it was a trial. We didn't know what was going on. It's like kind of instance where you're, you know, oh man, good thing I have the Holy spirit inside of me to lead me out of this thing. Right. But you know, on the, on the, Outside, everything was not looking good. I mean, you know, without going all into it, and we can have the whole team come out, Danton. Without going all into it, um, you know, he had less than a 50% chance of living. 
you know, and uh, there, he was so young, there was no cases uh, that they could kind of even use for references to know like how they should treat him and, and stuff like that. So it was, it, was, it was challenging. And in reality, we weren't really seeing very many like positive signs. So let me just say this as a caveat. When you're facing a trial, any type of trial, you got to look for the light. You got to look for the smallest little flame and you got to fan that thing into a fire. Imagine being in the woods and you're freezing hypothermia and you find a flame. You didn't even have to start it. Oh my gosh, you're going to fan that thing. Oh man, this is my survival right here. So we're in this situation. We're just looking like for anything positive. My brother-in-law right here, Brandon, he went on a run and uh, he was saying to God, the same thing that we were all saying to God, which was God, we need some signs to know like you've got this because based on what we're seeing naturally, it doesn't feel like you do. We know you do, but it would really help if you showed us a little something. Can you relate? <laughs> like, God, show me something. Show me that you're with us. So he goes on this run. He gets home and he's got his dad's old Bibles. Dad's passed away. Pastor Larry Reed legend. Sitting on the uh, bed stand next to him, just kind of keeps it there said, I never do this type of thing. Most of us don't really do this type of thing, except for when we really need to flip the Bible open, just show me a scripture, right? We've all been there, right? He's like, God, just show me. He's on this run. He's going, God, we need you to show, show us something. Show us that you're, that you're fighting this with us. Opens it up to uh, Joshua chapter five, verse 13. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, okay? And, and what's happening here is Joshua is getting ready to go into a battle. So it's like, okay. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man, right, standing in front of him with a drawn sword. Now, check this out. It says, Joshua went up to him and asked, Joshua sees this giant angel with a sword, and he's going into battle. He doesn't know that this is an angel yet. He just knows I'm going into battle, and here's a massive soldier that could be a problem. So he says to him, he says, are you for me or against me? Are you for me or against me? Can anybody relate to this? He says, are you for us? Are you for my side or for our enemy's side? And the man says, neither, he replied. And he says, but as commander of the Lord, I have now come. So he's like, oh, he's on the Lord's side. Okay. Then Joshua fell down face, uh, face down, <clears throat> to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? So Brandon calls and tells me about this. He's like, man, I felt like, you know, this is a cool story. I'm not quite sure what this means, but, but uh, I, yeah, I just feel like God's doing something. So like that day I leave the hospital because we were there 50 days in a row, the, our first day. And I think we were about 30 days in really needing, needing to know something. And, uh, we had, we had bought a house and um, we actually had to close on the house. We were living in an apartment and we had to close on the house from the hospital. And just as a side note, like when Lion got sick, I was like, I, I, it was so much to deal with that I was almost just like, just forget about the house. And God was like, no, 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 don't forget about my blessing. You're gonna come through this and you're gonna enjoy that house. 
And thank God we did because all that time in the hospital, I would just think and I would envision like, oh, we're going to be in that house and it's going to be good. Gave us something positive to think towards, amen? So I had to leave the hospital and go back to my house one of the days because um, I had to meet our painter there who was painting the inside of the house. He was painting in the evening and uh, he was a Hispanic guy and he barely spoke any English, but I had to be there to let him into the house, kind of watch the house while they were there, the painters, and then lock up the house when, when they were done that night and then do some laundry to go back to the hospital. So, um, uh, so at some point while he's painting, it was like just, just you know, he and I in the, in the, uh, <clears throat> in the uh, house, and I start kind of telling him a little bit about what's going on. And I'm telling you, this guy could barely speak any English. And he brings up Joshua 5, 13. Same story as Brandon. It was funny though, because I could barely understand what he was saying. I mean, barely, but he starts talking about this angel. And I'm like, wow, okay, same story. God's trying to say something. So, uh, so he leaves and then I stick around to do some laundry and then come back and I'm going to go back to the, um, uh, to the hospital. So I was like, okay, God, you're saying something here. And I just said, you know, God, here's this story about this angel. I was like, man, it'd be, it'd be cool if you would show me an angel <laughs> and, uh, you know, let me know that, um, that, that you're here with me. Anybody ever been in that situation? You know, it's like, give me a sign. So at that point, uh, I remembered that my mom had called me. And when mama calls, you got to call mama back. It was about 11 o'clock at night. I knew I had to call her back because I knew she'd be, you know, concerned if I didn't. So I look at my cell phone and said I had 1% battery. So I call her and I say, hey mom, just so you know, if my battery dies, uh, it's because I got 1% battery. She says, okay. Now my whole family at that point was like trying to find the light in, the, in any darkness, right? We talked about that, like, If you're in the dark, look for the smallest little speck of light. Focus on that. Go towards that. So like anything positive at all, we were like making like the biggest deal of it. And it works. Like we'd be like, yay, we got the nice nurse today. (laughs) You know, it's real. Like when you're dealing with a lot of nurses and you keep getting the mean one. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. And if there's any nurses in here, I'm sorry. But that's, that's the other side of the coin. And I know for nurses, it's like, yeah, well, you should deal with the mean patients. It it goes, it goes around, but you gotta, you gotta, and I'll tell you what, I love nurses, man. Like nurses and doctors. Oh my gosh. I mean, in combination with God, they saved our son's life. And there's a special, special gift for nurses and doctors. And, and, uh, if we clip this to make something out of this story, we can clip this part out to make the story concise. But just as a side note, like you wonder why doctors, you know, are kind of like straight faced and cold. Well, try having to do what they do all day. You can't just like do it all with your heart on your sleeve. But there's a different anointing on those folks and God bless those folks. We need them. So anyway, so I call my mom. We're trying to find a, we're trying to find the light in any situation. And she says, hey, uh, okay, your battery might die. That's fine. I just wanted you to know that we found a mover for you because they were trying to help because we were staying in the hospital and we needed our stuff to get moved from the apartment into the house. And I said, okay, cool, you know. To be honest, I'm like, I just didn't even care. You know, I'm just like, God, come on. And uh, she says, and guess what his name is? And I say, what? She says, Angel. 
and my battery dies. Brandon gets this story. My painter gets this story. I'm like, God, show me an angel. And nothing happens. I call my mom. She tells me that the painter's name is Angel. I said, I said, God, well, what, when I was praying, why didn't you just let me see an angel? <clears throat> and uh, God said, because I need you to walk by faith and not by sight. Give God some praise on that. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so no matter what you're going through, um, walk by faith and not by sight. The angels are with you. When you got the Holy Spirit in fire, the angels are with you. Come on. Uh, so uh, the next day I called my parents to tell them about this cool story. I said, man, this guy, uh, the, the, the painter's telling me about the angel story. I'm praying for it. Mom says the angel. Uh, Brandon got the angel story. I said, but the one thing I didn't understand was uh, when he said, are you for me or are you against me to this angel? He said, neither. And my dad said, let me look that up. And he calls me back all excited. He says, the reason he said neither is because he's obviously not fighting against you because he's an angel of the Lord, but he's not fighting with you either because guess what? You're not fighting. The battle is the Lord's. (laughs) (laughs) The battle is the Lord's. So no matter what you're facing, guys, the battle is the Lord's. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close this thing. I wrote a song called Hope is a Fire and the team's gonna share it with you today. I wanna let them, uh, I wrote this song a year ago. I wanna let them sing this and bless it, uh, bless you. Uh, I want this song to bless you and uh, whatever you're going through, just know that the battle is the Lord's, amen. Feels like it. 
I just have every head bowed, every eye closed, closed. we're just going to pray. Listen, whatever you're going through today, the battle is the Lord's. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, if anybody here is going through a trial, Lord, God, let them just feel comforted, Lord. Know that you're with them no matter what, God, no matter what the trial is. God, as long as we've got you in our hearts, there's a hope inside of us, God. There's a fire inside of us, Lord, that'll lead us out of any darkness that we could ever face. If you're in this place today and you don't have that hope because you haven't accepted Jesus or you're not living for Jesus in your life, I want to give you the opportunity just to invite Jesus into your heart or back into your heart with nobody looking around. If you're away from the Lord or you've never asked the Lord into your heart, I want to just ask you to slip your hand up right now, raise it high so I can see it. If you just want to give your life to Christ or give your life back to Christ, keep them up so I can see them. Nobody's, lo- nobody's looking. This is between you and God. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. I'm going to take a couple of minutes here. Because this hope only comes when you have hope, him inside of you. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. He's there. He loves you. He's not looking for you to get cleaned up before you come to him. He's saying, come to me as you are, but you do got to humble yourself and come to him. Keep your hands up so I can see him. Hands up all over the building. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and wash all of my sins away. I believe you died on the cross for me. And today, I will live for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering of praise? Amen. What a day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to thank everybody for coming out. Thank everybody who volunteered today. We've got an amazing event. Please stick around and enjoy it. And we'll see you guys next week. God bless. Happy 4th of July.